Welcome all, this is Justin Lomnes, the Lunatic Libertarian Podcast, the place to engage lunatic ideas about freedom, building skill sets, encouraging individual tangible knowledge, self-sufficiency, and engaging all of humanity, regardless of political affiliation, sex, race, color, creed, pronoun, preference, social economic background, or any label, title, or category you choose to affiliate yourself with. We appreciate all the knowledge for the better of all mankind, and we thank you for listening to The Lunatic Libertarian. What's everybody? I am Justin Lomnis, the Lunatic Libertarian. I'm here with Joseph Eklund from the Wisconsin Mises Caucus. We met each other at the Wisconsin 2022 Libertarian Convention. Awesome, awesome party. Uh, Got a lot of stuff accomplished at that convention. Uh, Got a lot of networking done too. Joseph, how's it going tonight? I'm doing great, man. How are you? A little tired, a little sore, but you know, this comes with the territory, you know. That's life every day, baby. Yeah, living the good life, uh, working hard, resting hard, I see. <laughs> trying to, trying to. I usually, um, I, I have three children, 10, 8, and 2, so um, I don't think there's much rest. I'm usually getting up at 2, 3 in the morning to check on kids. If there's no children awake, then usually I get a little exercise in, and then it's right back to bed to get get to work the next morning. So Yeah. So let everybody know about the uh, Mises Caucus, what they do in Wisconsin, how they've contributed to the Libertarian Party, and uh, what you guys got uh, going on for national. Maybe we'll touch on that a little bit later. Yeah, so um, I'm one of the lead state organizers for the Wisconsin uh, Mises Caucus. Um, we've been organized for a few years now, um, and um, it's just growing uh, you know, there's lots of people flooding in, hearing about the Mises Caucus from, you know, national level podcasts and, and uh, educators, people, you know, on shows like, you know, Joe Rogan and Tim Pool and, and Michael Malice and, you know, all these. And Scott Horton's been pushing it on uh, his shows about, you know, anti-war stuff. And, um, and so I get people who are in Wisconsin, they sign up for the Mises Caucus and I, you know, reach out to them. We have people who send them emails. I give them calls. And um, we've been really focused on, you know, in the National Mises Caucus, there's this real push to um, to push back against uh, people who would uh, defame uh, heroes like Ron Paul and Tom Woods and, and these people um, who, you know, th- there's been things from from leadership in the libertarian party people call in some of our heroes like racists and all and the mises institute the uh, a funnel to the alt-right these sorts of things basically um i don't know if it's just hysteria i mean i've looked in this stuff and it just seems like off the wall and it made so many people mad that we're coming into the libertarian party and saying like we won't put up with this and on, on the the local level in Wisconsin, that that is a double-edged sword because we don't have that um, that sort of anger 
within our state party. You know, we're all just trying to, you know, do our best for liberty in the state. You know, we've got some great people. Um, and so when some of that fervor comes when we're like charging into the party, like, hey, we want to stop this sort of def defamation of our of our heroes, um, that can be, you know, that can create some tension when they're just been here keeping the, the, the lights on in the party, making sure we're at ballot access, doing hard work. And they're like, what are y'all doing here? Like, you just showed up and you're yelling about, you know, you know, these things now causing a bunch of ruckus and, and trouble. So um, a lot of what we're doing here is, um, you know, for the past, you know, this convention was we were organized to go to the national because we are focused on changing the leadership there. And in Wisconsin, like we just participated and, and most you saw most of the convention, people were largely in agreement. We want to, you know, respect property rights. We want to implement uh, good policies of responsibility within the party so that it's, uh, you know, respectful and and obliging the membership. You know, it's it's respecting the membership's point of view and not having power grabs of the XCOM, but also letting the XCOM do things as it needs to, to be a good functioning party. Right. And I think that um, um, I'm a big David Goggins and Jocko Wilmick fan. So I'm a, I'm a big uh, yeah. fan about being, you got to be relentless when you're trying to accomplish something. And regardless of what your mission is, uh, there is an end game. There is a goal that needs to be accomplished. Right. Now, when it comes to libertarianism, to me, the end goal is to get government as much out of my way and get rid of all the barricades and change policy according to public policy, because I think the government has uh, created a lot of policy to make themselves relevant. Um, I really love the Constitution as it was originally drafted, and I really love the Bill of Rights because they had it right back then. The hindsight is, is that 200 years later, we can see that there has been a degradation to public policy according to it didn't matter what religion you practice. It didn't matter what color of your skin. It didn't matter what sex you wore or what you considered yourself. Mm -hmm. If you were a human being that was contributing to your community and providing instead of consuming, you're providing. But if you are consuming, you're still providing something. So it's a 50-50 trade-off. There's no, there's no waste there. So I think that the government in itself has created policies to make themselves more relevant and to get yep. to intercede themselves into people's lives to actually interject on the life, liberty and pursuit of happiness instead of actually getting out of the way so that can happen naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that we discuss in the Mises caucus. We the way we want to work in politics, we want to be as strategic as possible. You know, a lot of the the conventional libertarian party wants to pour a whole bunch of resources in trying to elect um, a, a candidate in a heavy, in a large race, a national or a statewide race where it's very slim chances um, and put all their energy into that. And what the Mises caucus strategy is, is actually to flip things on their head a little bit. And it's actually because of the incentive problem that you're bringing up right now, that government in its nature, by electoral politics, wants to aggrandize and self-congratulate and say, like, I did it. 
I'm solving all your problems. And when it's at the national level um, and, the, and, and, and the further away it is from your community, the less likely it is to be accountable and the more likely it is to, to, uh, to give itself all the uh, credit without actually doing anything. And so what we can do is we can actually use the national and, and statewide uh, campaigns for what they're really great at. They're really great at getting attention and educating people. I remember watching uh, Phil Anderson uh, when he ran for governor. He was on uh, public television or, or on the news giving his uh, ideas of how libertarians would address health care. And he was amazing. He was great at communicating that. And it, it made me uh, super proud to vote for him. Um, and we have people on the national stage, like, you know, inspired by Ron Paul. The Mises Caucus is inspired by Ron Paul. Right. Um, that messenger, he, he didn't win. He didn't really even achieve much at the national level, but he created new libertarians. And what do we do with those new libertarians? That's the real question that we should be dealing with. We should be creating new libertarians and then enabling their action at the local level, because at the local level, you can actually influence your local city council, your local county, you know, these municipalities, you can, you can actually talk to them with our, with our networks uh, in the Libertarian Party. We can create county level and city level legislation and just hand it off. If it's a left leaning uh, council, you can just say, hey, here's marijuana legalization and psychedelic legalization. You know, you'll take all the credit for this. I don't need any credit. I just want freedom. You can take all the credit, get all the, the bonus uh, votes from your from your electorate. And we don't even like we just want freedom. Right. And if we do get elected, then we can promote that uh, effectively at the local level. And it's way more difficult for the Republicans and Democrats and the centralized deep state you know, types to influence every single municipality and county race, whereas a grassroots movement for freedom, we have the advantage at that level. What do you think we're going to do as far as in Wisconsin? If you were to institute um, the idea that the Mises caucus, because the ability, what you're stating is the ability to negotiate from Republican to Democrat and institute policy with not even taking credit for it. So that's basically what I interpreted from what you were saying. So if we can, it's a strategy, right, to change policy in yes. order to get stuff changed. Now, if uh, from my experience and the people that I talk to, and um, from Spike Cohen and from uh, Muddy Waters Media, big yeah. shout out to Muddy Waters Media, uh, big shout out to all uh, the people on Clubhouse that promote liberty. Yeah. Big shout out to everybody that's actually engaging everybody out there and trying to get policy changed or get the mindset changed of what right. public policy really is. Mm. Now, one thing about uh, the Mises Caucus that I don't really understand is the labels, titles, and categories. And as a human being, that's one of the only categories that I think actually begins an argument when you're talking with other human beings about survival. And one of the things that government supposedly guarantees is security. That's what they're selling us. They're selling mm -hmm. us security. They're, they 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 sell us security by giving us insecurity. Yeah, TSA style. Correct. But before the, even the TSA, the Department of Education, 
um, the the minimizing of actual tangible skill sets, teaching the youth that, oh, well, you don't have to work hard anymore. Just get on a computer. I remember back in the day when we still had three and a quarter inch floppies. A computer was all you were supposed to try and learn. You weren't supposed to try and learn anything else. You, their woodshop class was getting defunded. Um, but yet again, we need more money to go into education. So what does the Mises Caucus and what is your personal idea? And please separate them if they need to be separated. Uh, but what do you think uh, should happen as far as giving people actual tangible skill sets in order so that they can promote liberty by being self-sufficient? So I would say that the Mises Caucus is inspired, yes, by Ron Paul, but it's, it's named after Mises, an Austrian economist. It's, it's based on humans taking action in the real world and not having the, the Austrian economists sort of differentiate the, themselves from a lot of the other economists by, you know, having uh, everything based in human action, in the, in the individual acting in reality. Um, when it comes to all these constructs from the school system, um, the, they, they all build onto these grand theories uh, rather than starting from the individual and moving forward. And, and that's why a lot of Mises Caucus people tend to be anarchists is because they're starting from, I decide what to do with my life and then I move forward and I form relationships. I, you know, and, and you don't have to be an anarchist to have that philosophy. That's what a libertarian is, is it somebody who starts the individual is sovereign. We form relationships and, and, we form deals and move forward. And what I would say, both for myself and the Mises Caucus, is fo the focus on decentralization. We want to, uh, decentralization uh, allows for more resilience and and less, less ability to have arbitrary authority. With decentralized uh, decision-making, any authority becomes more meritorious. It becomes because you earned it. it. That's what the free market is. Everybody makes their own economic decisions. And based on those decisions, we give more resources to those who made decisions and built uh, structures that we think that we know by our use of money, we gave them all these resources that they're rich because they provided us with what we wanted. And therefore they, in a, it essentially deserve more resources to steward. What do you what do you think about the question that there is no answer to the everlasting human want question? If you provide something and then there's no and when we when we talk about survival it's food, water, shelter, clothing, correct? And then when we talk about what people think they're actually missing in their lives in this country is all things they have been sold by advertisers. It's not actually a need, it's a want. So right. How do we end that question of everlasting human want? Do we actually give the people, take away the, the security from the government, which has provided them food, water, shelter, clothing, and then the, 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 the complaint of, well, I don't have the higher end stuff out there. I don't have a Maserati. Maybe I don't even have um, a vehicle. Now, everybody's talking about these are needs now when they're really not. I know that when I had to do stuff that I could actually get on my own two feet and walk wherever I needed to go. Or if I actually had the next step up, which was wheels. But those wheels may have been a bicycle or a scooter or rollerblades back in the day. 
um, to get you to the next step. But people don't want to start off from the bottom anymore. They want to start either in the middle or right on top because they think they ha are entitled to all these things. Well, I'm not sure how much, like, needs are all relative. It's all, you know, you need a certain uh, amount of food and water and, and shelter to live, sure, depending on the, um, the environment. Uh, but um, I don't know. So I, I look at this as in, in sort of a spiritual way, because I see the whole idea of wants as being a very much um, soul comforts or, or soul. Uh, it's based on avoidance of pain and desire for pleasure which I actually think is subs should be subservient to higher goals, spiritual goals, things like uh, honor, things like um, doing the, the greatest good um, that you can. Um, so, so morality, I actually see as a higher good than hedonistic pleasure and avoidance of pain. And so all these wants, it's actually about a misplaced set of priorities. Because it's about what do you need for what your goals are? What are your goals and are they good? If the goals are good, if the goals are for the higher purpose, then you have certain needs to get there. Then you actually have the prioritization right to actually make a decision moving forward. If it's all based on if it feels good and if it avoids pain, then you know, you're, you're basically not a conscious uh, higher being anymore. You're just a, a animal or a robot. I, I, I like to use the term drone or robot. Yeah. You, you go through the motions and then um, you get sold an idea and then you want that idea immediately. Boom. And once we uh, watched a documentary on advertisers that said that if I didn't have you sold 10 seconds before my advertising actually aired, then I wasn't doing my job. Mm. So, and that was on public broadcasting systems and you know, we can talk about PBS and NPR and all these media moguls that have absolutely flipped on the American people. Uh, I, I forget when propaganda was actually rescinded in the federal government. I, I believe it was under the Obama administration um, that propaganda could still be used uh, against the, the American public. But um, those that believe uh, in conspiracy, because conspiracy was created by the CIA to for disinformation and to um make genuine information disingenuous so once we see the campaigns and the chess pieces moving across the board of what was going on for the american people ever since 9 11 now i'm a vet I, and i i joined before 9 11 actually went to boot camp afterwards so um when when you look at individuals that think that they were serving their country honorably Hence, now we have veteran suicide that is astounding. We have homeless veterans all over the place. We have people that uh, believe in the Constitution of the United States, raised their hand, swore an oath, and then were told that they are not going to be criminals if they actually try to uphold that oath with people that are domestic criminals mm. against the Constitution. Man, it's it's... It is a spiritual crime. It is like when you sign up to put your life and honor at risk in service to the, your community, your home, and in America, especially an ideal, 
an ideal of human rights, an ideal of people being able to make their choices for themselves and to join in community with others who want to do the same. Like, and, and to have that corruption at the root of power within this nation based on that ideal, taking these great idealistic young men, especially, and essentially making them commit atrocities or participate in the, in the committing of atrocities. Right. It's like, no wonder they would completely lose their weight and be demoralized. You know, the, the idea, the word morality is a, is a spiritual concept. Demoralized is to basically just reduce your spirit to nothing. You're being demoralized. They are being broken because the thing that they really believed in, the thing that they were serving has basically been shown to be this corrupt thing. And it's just a complete tragedy. And it, mm-hmm. and I want to fight that with every fiber of my being. Part of the reason that I'm involved in libertarian politics is because this isn't fun and games. This isn't LARPing. People's lives are on the line every day that we don't inspire enough people to understand that this whole system is corrupt and that we can do something about it, every single moment that that doesn't happen, more innocent people are killed, innocent people are being put in prison for nonviolent crimes, and people are being tricked and and kind of uh, blackmailed often into participating in atrocities and having their spirit broken. This is absolutely unacceptable and we have to do our best every single day you know within reason within our lives but like we have to acknowledge this this is super important that we take up action to stop this in any way that we can of course we always need to recognize that sort of stoic thing what can we do what can we not do and not get wrapped up in what we can't do I'm glad you you said within reason. I, I wasn't within reason. I did some real off the wall shit. I, uh, <laughs> well, you know uh, how I caught my felony case was actually uh, threatening to blow up the New Berlin Police Department. That's how I caught my felony case. Um, you know, and it's I- and it's funny because the 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 arresting officer who I. You can pull the public records. Anybody that's watching this, just remember one thing. When your blood alcohol is 0.460, I don't think anybody's actually going to pay attention to what you're talking about because you are a person that is off <laughs> into the distance. So, um, But to be charged with a crime because you're running your mouth is, is, is absolutely ridiculous according to freedom of speech. Now, you should be able to say the most ridiculous shit to people and comedians do that by saying some of the most ridiculous shit because they want to get a laugh but the thing is is that when you're talking about entities of government you will always be targeted by the language you speak now when you look at what's going on with badges grant extra rights well the thing is is that when i look at people i see human beings i don't see their i don't see their uniform i don't see your badge you're another human being standing in front of me Right. And when you talk about somebody that's going to stand on their principles, like libertarians talk about, um, I stand on those principles. I don't I I don't give a shit who is in front of me. You could be the principal of my 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 student school. You can say that 
well, I'm the, I, I, I'm the, this, this, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a fuck. You are another person that's standing in front of me. You're a human being. And that's, that's all I look at yep. because when you can actually humanize somebody, not dehumanize them, when you can place them into a standard of what is human being about you, the people, people look at that as an aggressive approach. Now, when you look at the uh, uh, non-aggression principle and what we see on Facebook from people that claim they're libertarians and people that say, oh, well, this is against the nap. Well, when it comes to really politics, uh, there's aggression all across the board. It really doesn't. Does, does the non-aggression principle, the, does that really apply to politics or does it only apply to human interaction where don't take people's shit? And leave them alone, you know, be nice. Well, well, I, you know, in some ways, you know, I'll probably have to dig in uh, to the minutia because the devil's in the details on something like this. Right. But, but essentially, I would probably say you're right. Politics is uh, basically enmeshed in an aggressive system. And so engaging in politics is is essentially like uh, joining a mafia in order to redirect it. And yes. So. So there is that, or a element. gang, or anything like yeah. that. You're gro- you're joining a, an organization that is trying to change the community. Now, if you were to join the Bloods, the Crips, or the Latin Kings, or any number of street gangs, or if you're to join the Mexican cartel, whether it's the Sinaloa cartel or Tijuana cartel, whatever it may be, you are joining an organization that has a hierarchy that says we are trying to do X, Y, Z in the community. Regardless if it's positive or negative. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. Because if you're talking about the non-aggression principle, it's all about violations of, of human rights. So violations of people's property, violations of people's liberty, violations of people's life. So so when you're talking about the non-aggression principle is we're not just influencing community. The government is violating people's rights to property. But government is violating people's rights to their liberty. Um and and doing that by initiating those violations i i I wish that the non-aggression principle you know these semantics games are really difficult because you know aggression i don't think that aggression is misplaced i think aggression is healthy you know especially if you're doing uh wrestling and and jujitsu and and you know fighting these sort of things if it's i box i box yeah so you need aggression it's not Mm -hmm. about non-aggression it's actually about non-violation it's a non-violation principle. And then you have the sub, then you have to go to the presumption, okay, what, what is presumed as the rights that people are having violated? And so then you go to the right to property, right to life, right to liberty. And so, what's the mutual agreement between two human beings? That's basically what it boils down to. What's the mutual agreement? Because there are several human beings that don't give a shit about law, they don't care like, about anything that's written on paper. And we can have an agreement, and they might end up dead because, you know, if they don't respect my right to life, then we're having an agreement. I'm not going to respect your right to life necessarily. Correct. So, I mean, it depends on how you take things into perspective. And, I mean, when we talk about uh, being liberty-minded, being liberty-minded means that I don't care what anybody else is doing out in the world. It, as long as they're not bothering me or affecting me or mine, be about your business. Take care of you and yours. But do not sit here and bitch about how you do not have because you did not provide. 
that's one of the things that uh, progressives actually rubbed me the wrong way. They're talking about how the government needs to provide this and that. They're taking our our, our, our taxpayer money and spending it here. Well, why don't they just... If you give them more power, they're just going to take more power. They're not going to give you anything back. That's the one thing that never quite registered in my brain. Um, the, and the other thing is the double speak. No matter if you're talking about the left or the right, it's the double speak. It, 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 when, when you talk about a statement that's compounded on itself to be a double negative and it's coming out of the press secretary's mouth, why should I give you any creditation? You are no longer valid as far as my understanding under the Constitution is that the federal government is no longer valid. It's absolutely been discredited as far as factual based events. They're, they're no longer valid. Let it let's invoke that the government's no longer valid and get back to the Constitution. Everything else, whether it's on the state level or the federal level, is now null and void. We start. It's a. It's a. It, it was a. It was a reset clause that was put in there so that if we got to this point, we can reset and start all over again. So, now, go ahead. Uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up was the Rothschilds economics with the Mises Caucus, but let's get on this one thing and then we'll go there next. Okay. So, um, I think about what is the strategy to do that, and that's why I think the local strategy is the the most effective because. Um, it's all about nullification. It's all about getting the population of a local, you know, even just the the leadership of the local population, because you only need 5%. You only need mm -hmm. 5% of people in a locality to just say, you know what, especially if you got the sheriff on your side. In my county, we've got the sheriff on my side. He, he um, you know, they'll just refuse to obey a bunch of unconstitutional bullshit. So, sheriff Clark in Milwaukee was great on that. So um, if you get the people in positions in the local level, you just say, sorry, this is unconstitutional. This is violating our rights where we don't recognize these laws. Um, and if you can get that just, you know, at first, obviously, it's going to be just here and there. And it already is. There are certain communities where it's like, you know, uh, there are the uh intense uh constitutionalists the the sovereign citizens and stuff like that like uh bond the the was it bondi ranch or, or bundy ranch um i, I don't know i i've yeah. seen uh, plenty of youtube videos of people saying they're sovereign citizens yeah yeah citizens, and, and, and then they and get their they, heads bashed in yes so. they do but but if you actually start to have this revolution in the minds of the, the little communities then as that popcorns and becomes more popular then it becomes established it, it the you know how they say uh politics is downstream from culture well you can influence culture through politics but you can do that in multiple ways for one uh having national messengers national heroes that that communicate the libertarian philosophy and then you act politically at the local level and then that creates a, a libertarian uh, life because real life becomes liberty and they'll be like wow it's so much better now that i can do stuff that i can start a business without asking and filling out a bunch of farms and paying a big fee oh wow I, everything is so much better now that it's actual life libertarianism and then that changes the culture and then you start seeing politics at the the medium state and then to national what do you think of all the hypocrites that are out there that are actually being exposed at this current 
uh, moment in time as far as like David Hogue, who wanted to start a small business. And he was all about the government being all in your business until he wanted to actually become a capitalist and make money. Um, you know, I want to have a little compassion for for uh, a, a young uh, shithead. Uh, you know, I was a young shithead. And I, I was and a young shithead that said that I wanted to go fight for my country. So we have a spectrum on that as well. Yeah. And so, well, you know, when I was a teenager, I remember I was, I've always been a weirdo and a troublemaker as far as like spouting off at the mouth and, and, and saying ideas that are counter to, to everybody else's beliefs. When I read uh, Brave New World, I was like, hey, let's do this. You know, like, let's have a, a scientific society where it's all sex and drugs and, and blissing out. Like, <laughs> you know, we can clone the kids. We don't have to worry about them. Woo. You know, so if he was, you know, essentially the Democratic mouthpiece as a as essentially a kid, mm -hmm. and then that became his identity and everything about him as a person was wrapped up in that and said, like, this is now who you are. It's like, he didn't have any escape. He's not even a human. Like, he's not even a conscious adult, as far as I'm concerned. He's just the robot repeating the talking points. He's an he's NPC. playing a role. You're playing yeah. a role, just like our politicians play a role. They tell us what, they, what we want to hear on television. I always implore everybody, look at your pub politician's public policy. What do they sign? What do they endorse? Um, did they do anything that actually impacted your life for a positive? Now, we get sold all these ideas as, oh, this is positive for the people. This is positive for this. This is positive for that. When we know that most regulations and public policy is always going to be negative. It's always going to be impactful to eliminate competition. And it's always going to be impactful to keep the modern or uh, the working class citizen in the loophole of you're in debt, we control your debt, and now you have to work for that debt. Yep. And this is the revolution. The uh, As a Norris Pagan, it's the circle of life. It's the, <laughs> the circle, circle of, of life. The circle of degeneration. Well, the thing is, is that life is uh, 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 it's built on choices that we make. A lot of people cannot face themselves in the mirror for the choices that they make. And then they come up with excuses. Everybody that I know that is a, you know, a human being that understands that we make mistakes. You know, I'm a I'm 39. I made mistakes when I was 18. I made mistakes when I was 15. I made mistakes when I was 25. The thing is, is that I'm not that same person because it's an evolutionary thing. You know, when you talk about the revolution, we go back to that same circle. And if you go back to ancient tribes of Native Americans or Norse pagans or even the Egyptians, it's all based on the circle. Mm -hmm. How do you come full circle? We all can come full circle when it comes to liberty because the Constitution says it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what color of skin you are. It doesn't matter your background or religion you practice. If you come to this country and you want to work for life, liberty, and your own individual pursuit of happiness, you have every right to that, and the government should not be in your way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just watched uh, Dave Smith on, on Glenn Beck, and he had this little bit he did at the end, which is all like the whole the whole issue with with wokeness these days. It's all that sure we're different, but that's not the biggest that's not the most important thing. Like the most important things about our lives are actually, you know, like 
I I want to be the best partner in my that I can be. You know, I I want to to support decentralized independent farmers. Like that's that's my job. Like this that's what my purpose is. I'm a food system decentralizer and a political system decentralizer. And and you're a you're an information system decentralizer. Like I'm a lunatic. That's yeah, the you're, only you're, title that I'm going to claim is I'm a lunatic but, because I'm crazy enough to understand that uh the, the, the system of farming is not healthy for our environment. Yeah. We need yeah. individual skill sets and we need the people to get off of this nine to five clock set or the uh, five to midnight clock set. Go produce your own food. Yeah. You don't have to have fiat currency if you produce your own food. If you can build your own shelter, you should be able to build your own shelter. Yep. The thing is, is that the government owns every piece of land and they only lease it to you. They don't yep. sell it to you. They lease it to you. And under the tax provision, if you don't pay your taxes, well, we're going to revoke your lease and we're just going to take your shit. Yep. doesn't matter. And they'll take every single asset as far as a tangible asset that you can hold in your hand. They'll take all that away from you, too. So let's get off of what other people think are valuable. Let's make stuff valuable to ourselves. Yeah, man. Because fiat currency is not where it's at. Because remember the programmer from the early mid-90s all the way through to like 2010? Got to get the money. Got to get paper. Got to get paper, paper, paper. Paper doesn't mean shit. I can produce stuff out of my head every single day, and I don't need I don't need fiat currency to do that. And that's one thing that people have lost upon their lives is that uh, if you can go out and it, if I want to build a school, I have the 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 tangible skill sets to build a school. If I want to build a truck. If I want to build. Uh, a, a top field dragster in my own individual skills, I can do that. If I wanted to work on, because I'm a technician, if I wanted to work on, um, doesn't matter if it's solar panels, if it, if it has to do with solar, uh, uh, or if it's uh, wind power, or if it has to do with uh, generation power as far as diesel generators and stuff like that, I have my own skill sets that allow me to be able to produce in those industries which is important to every single human being on this planet. Dude, so it, the thing is, is that what makes stuff important to you? A lot of people think Minecraft is important. A lot of people think that fucking, what's another video game? Uh, um, it's not Minecraft. What the hell is it? It starts with a Fortnite. Oh, they think yeah. that stuff is important. I, I'm sorry, but I don't live in virtual reality. The metaverse does not exist to me. I don't care about NFTs. I care about real world stuff so um so my company that i work for farm match what we do is we connect people to direct selling local farms so these are independent farms that deliver to their local area so they're not operating on the distribution system they're not you know operating through the grocery stores it's like you connect directly uh and you know, we use the internet so you can order from them, but then you build a relationship person to person, build that relationship to your local farmer. And that way, if everything goes to crap, you know, you actually, you're going to be the one fed first if you're, if you're not able to grow your food yourself, because not everybody else is, is able, they don't have the land, they don't have the skill set. you know, it may take a, a difficult transition, but at least they can open that door and form that relationship because relationships are a skill too. Yeah. And what does David Goggins say? Get off the damn couch. Get off the couch. Can't do shit from your couch. Get off the couch. Uh, and uh, where I live, I can go and hit uh, uh, the carts that are parked on the uh, farmer's property. 
And every single day, if I wanted to, I can grab whatever produce is out there. It's on the honor system. Um, There's not a camera sitting there watching their cash box saying that I dropped enough money in there. They understand that they produce. Everybody that's going to come there actually has a piece of honor in their heart. And they're going to pay for those produce because they're provided to them. And if, if, if there wasn't any honor system, would that cart disappear? Absolutely. But that cart's out there every season because yep. people honor that. And that's how you get around the, the systems of control, too. The, 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 the system is, you know, mechanized in such a way that if it's, if it's spontaneous like that, you're just coming. They, they just have a can. They just, you know, they might mark their prices loosely or it might just be on the honor system. That's incidental sales. And the regulations for that are totally like, you know, basically none. Or, you know, like with raw milk here in Wisconsin, it's illegal to have in the stores, but you could have incidental sales. We don't know. And so you have a little Max King going on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it ended up in their hands. I don't know how it got there, but. Hey, well, oh, or, or like, I don't know. They, they bought it on the internet and now I'm just transporting it. It was bought on the farm. I, now I'm just transporting it. It's theirs already. I think that people have been clever to circumvent the government in, in, in any form. And I love the fact that libertarians talk about ending the drug war. I think that international trade has been stifled. I think that a lot of our international policies are based off of bullshit because we want to control instead of actually participate. Now, those are two different statements. A lot of people want to control a lot of people don't want to participate. One of the things that you understand when you participate in anything is that you become subservient. You, that's a role that you take, right? You become subservient because you're understanding that I want to participate in this, so I'm not going to be guns blazing. Everybody's going to listen to me, and I'm going to be the authoritative figure. No, you're going to participate, so right. you're going to let yourself be on an even playing field. I think that's one of the things that people in this day and age just don't quite grasp anymore because everybody wants to be the dominant figure. Well, it's, it, it's almost, I think the opposite. They want to be the subservient figure. It's that they want to have, I think it's becoming more and more the problem of not having free play as children. So when I grew up, my, my mom had six kids and she is a, like an introverted person who doesn't want, you know, all that stress. So kick them out the door and they're going to go play in the woods. And as long as they come back without any broken bones or bled out, we're doing good. Like, and you have to, when you're a kid out playing with the other kids, you have to negotiate and you have to learn to do that peer to peer thing, even though you know, I have less power. I was the youngest uh, son and I have one younger sister. So I got the worst of it. You know, you get, if you, if you don't play right, you're going to get beat up by all the older siblings. And if you beat up your younger sibling, you get beat up by all the older siblings. Cause, um, but you know, you learn to negotiate and you don't have an authority figure to go to, to solve every darn dispute it's becoming more and more the case that everyone has to go to an authority to settle a dispute. And, and so you don't learn to actually have that peer to peer negotiation. You're, you everything becomes, I need somebody to take care of me. 
And so I need to go to the principal and I need to go to the, the college board and have them kicked out because they said something I didn't like. And, you know, now I need to go to the cops because they do things that I don't think are good. And they didn't, did they hurt me? No, but they shouldn't be able to do that. Urgh. And then they stick uh, guys with badges that can't grant them extra rights and guns to go in there and make mistakes and kill them or their dogs. <laughs> um, do you think that becomes from a mentality standpoint of who is, um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to really label anybody, but I want to say that psychologically, if somebody is, wants to be powerful, but doesn't know the right avenues in which to negotiate to be powerful, they take yeah. the avenues that are afforded to them to impose authority on somebody versus somebody that doesn't recognize authority recognizes their own authority and then comes in and becomes voluntarily subservient to the organization because if they wanted to i don't need to be a part of this organization i can do all the shit on my own the thing is is that when you talk about an organization uh that's full of alphas let's say We'll, we'll title them alphas, and then because that's a common common thing, you got alphas, betas, charlies, deltas. So, you know, depending on what end of the spectrum you have, supposedly the t the title alpha says that you're a dominant, and then we have to say that the, the title of a, a delta is a, a subservient to the highest level. Um, uh, but the thing is, is that I think that everybody can come to a common ground somewhere in the middle. Yeah. When you know we're talking about progressing human life this is not a this is not a pissing contest because my life i one thing that i understood when i joined the military my life is going to end regardless of what outcome i think is supposedly predetermined my life will come to an end maybe it's from cancer maybe it's from a drug overdose maybe it's from uh getting hit by a car maybe i fell down my stairs you know, I know that life is finite. One of the greatest lines I ever heard in a movie was uh, from um, The Kingdom. When the uh, FBI uh, head, head guy was talking to the Secretary of State, and he was like, one thing that Westmoreland told us is that we needed to write our own obituaries. And once all us officers found out that life was finite, we weren't scared to lose it anymore. And one of the things that human beings need to understand is what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of losing your security? Do you think the government provides you security and that's what you're afraid of losing? Is it an internal idea or is it something that I've been sold? And I don't think anybody really wants to look at themselves uh, on the outside looking in because that's one of the exercises that they give us at the VA. Just imagine yourself as somebody on the outside looking at your life and looking in. What would you expect yourself to do if you were to put yourself in your own shoes, if you were on the outside looking in. It's and that's like, some deep shit. Yeah, man. It, it's like uh, what Jordan Peterson says. Um, treat yourself like you are, are somebody that you're responsible for taking care of. So when you're responsible for taking care of somebody, you see their context very differently than when you're just, you know, either you overvalue or undervalue yourself and uh, overestimate your abilities or whatever. But if you're sort of looking at yourself from the outside, um, you can, you can have that objective perspective. I remember uh, I had a dream once and in the dream, 
there was a nuclear attack or a nuclear explosion. I I, I don't know what the source was. Maybe it event. was an accident. We'll it call was it an event. event. And and I had, I think, I'm not sure if it was a premonition in my dream, but I, I like had a cousin, a younger cousin. And I knew that I, I saw, I felt the flash or something. And I just turned and grabbed my cousin and just held them. And I, and I felt like the searing heat is weird. It's like most, my, one of my most memorable dreams. And I knew I was dying. And in this, all I wanted to know is like, I died well. Like I went to hold my cousin and, and try to protect them, even though I knew it was hopeless. And like, I, and I came to this perspective after that dream of dying. It's like, oh, I want to live so that when I die, I think I lived well and I died well. Human to human. Yeah, man. That's for sure. I mean, the thing is, is that people don't understand that human interaction is something that should be precious. It, it, it shouldn't be something that you look at as, oh, well, I grew up in Milwaukee. It was mostly like, what are you looking at? You're trying to find something over here? Are you interested in something over here? Why are you so interested over here? Now I got to ask some questions. Now you're kind of suspect. Are you from here? Are you around my peoples or are you not around my peoples? Mm. Are the opposition to my peoples? Why does human interaction always come down to that kind of mindset with most people? The thing is, is that if you are threatened, is that something that is created in your own mind? And this goes back to the, the non-aggression principle, because if you are aggressive upon, that's a, a personal interpretation. That's not something that and, unless somebody just comes up and, and, and physically assaults you or something like that. If we're talking about words, the assumption is, is that it's always going to be personal because of your assumption. It has nothing to do with the actual words that are being typed or spoken. Yeah, well, I mean, with the with words. I like Rothbard in the words camp. It's like, if it's words, it has to be a direct, and what was it? A clear and present danger of threat. So this is somebody that says, I'm going to kill you. No, if do they have a gun? Do they have the ability to kill you right now? Then we're talking. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're just spouting off. And, you know. It's assumption. It's interpretation. I really don't like what's going on right now with the interpretations on people's words. I think that uh, because the Libertarian Party is getting such attention right now from the populace, people are starting to interject themselves and wanting personal attention versus what is best for the majority of people. Do you think that the um, it's a personal issue or it's a personal mission? To uh, Because we've heard the term takeover from Mises. We've heard the term this. Um, when you talk about language and how it's interpreted, do you think that's an act of aggression that should be defended? If you are a 1970s libertarian that spent 50 fucking years in the party and, you know, you're putting all that time in and so on and so forth to create your own security. Well, now you feel your security is being uh, improvised on or um, imposed on, I should say. I mean... One of the difficulties is is the fact that the Libertarian Party is a democratic institution in the in the small D democratic. It's it's 
you know, as Nick Sarwark famously said, uh, the party is made of those who show up. And if, if the Mises caucus is essentially on a mission to change the culture of the party to one that we think will be more successful, like that's part of our ideas. Like we've seen a lot of sort of stale, stagnant messaging and, you know, we see the party being held together and, and, and getting ballot access. And that's great. But what we want is, is that surge that we felt during the Ron Paul revolution, where it's like, no, we're on fire. We're, we're taking this, we're storming figuratively the, the gates. We are, we are creating a movement. And if we're not doing that, then we're actually doing a disservice to all those people who are the victims of war, all the people who are uh, being locked up in cages for nonviolent activities, all those people who are having their spirits crushed. We're doing a disservice if we're not inspiring a, a moral and, and revolution in the political thinking of our populace. It's like we're, we're doing a disservice to humanity if we're not actually creating all these new libertarians, because that's going to be the most effective thing. Now, we don't want to destroy the party. We don't want uh, the party to, but we, we also don't want it to just sort of, you know, chug along. And, and if they, you know, these people who have been holding things together, we want to, you know, recognize the work, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the presidential candidate who, who died shortly after his run. Uh, he had that amazing uh, speech that he gave. The, I am that libertarian. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh man, I, it was so good. And I know that Gary talking, Johnson's a big guy as far as a presidential candidate, no, but no. I'm sure it's previous to him. No, no, I think it was more, he wasn't a presidential candidate. He was just a nominee. Um, um, but I think he was. Uh, John McAfee. No, not John McAfee. Anyway, uh, he—I don't think he was in the top uh, rankings, but I don't know who you're speaking about, of. He's talked about the libertarians who like take signatures in the rain, like these libertarians who have been passionately working for this party for years. The like, workers—they are workers, and they're vital, and and. And they're not recognized enough. Um, and so I can understand uh, that when all this new blood comes in and maybe doesn't recognize in their in their excitement and fervor, you know, rushing in to to take hold of the party and 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 seize the gates, you know, the 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 workers of this party who have been sharpening all the swords and everything. And suddenly all these guys come up and grab the swords and charge at the gates. They're like, Hey, Hey, you didn't, you know, you should pay some respect. That's true. That's true. That they should. But at the same time, if they start attacking the new, uh, the new recruits, that's not okay. That's well, I suggest it in Reno. It's an eight hour drive to Vegas. Contact Floyd Mayweather. Borrow his gym for 24 hours. Grease up and glove up if you <laughs> actually have a fucking problem. Grease up and glove up. Because when we talk about quote-unquote violence, no, 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 no. That's not violence. That's entering into a mutual agreement of combat to settle differences. Used to be known as a duel. 
but these are dual of fisticuffs. But there's a lot of people that talk crazy online. There's a lot of people that do things that aren't quite productive. Now, if there's personal disputes, I didn't want to really bring up Tom Woods. You brought him up at the beginning of the podcast. I pretty much left it alone. I do not agree on the attacks on Tom Woods. I think that it's an individual situation that has nothing to fucking do with everybody else. Right. That is my personal opinion. Right. When it comes to abortion, if it's your body, it's your choice. Just like a vaccination, just like the nutrition you put in your body or the education you put in your mind, it's your choice. Now, to the counter of that, if you have a problem with Tom Woods, go talk to Tom Woods. If you have a problem with somebody, go talk to that individual. Don't sit here and put the party on that label system because you have a personal issue. It has nothing to do with the actual party. The party is about passing policy that helps human beings. Not all this fucking bullshit with the, the bickering and fighting. If you have a personal issue with somebody, take it up with that individual. If you have the conviction of your personal conflict, then are you willing, here's a lunatic idea, are you willing to actually participate in hand-to-hand fisticuffed combat to solve those differences because you think you are morally superior to another human being? And that's one thing that I get into with people. What is morally superior? A lot of people got into COVID. I'm morally superior because I want to be vaccinated because I think that's better for humanity to be safe. There are people that thought they were morally superior because they were unvaccinated. The thing is, is that you shouldn't give a shit what anybody does. Is it affecting you? Is it not? That's the biggest question. Yeah, man. We got about three minutes left. What do you think of our candidates? What do you think of uh, Jacob Van and Plass? What do you think of Neil Long? What do you think of Neil Harmon? As far as the Wisconsin candidates, because I want to keep this about Wisconsin since we're Wisconsin Knights. I love Jacob, man. He's great. He is so good. Uh, I I have a soft spot. My I have a soft spot in my heart for any uh, guy who's into farming and regenerative farming and helping vets. Um, And that's what he does, or that's what you know. That's part of his goals outside of his campaign for um, for Congress and. And uh, his running of the party, and because he is the chair, he's the stick. He is the chair, um, and and for the Neils, uh, I think they're great. I I want to support them absolutely and collect signatures for them. So, um, I I've I know I've had a beginning lesson in what it takes to run a campaign in just the local level. And I, and I didn't do well. I, I didn't, uh, I didn't start in time. I was just sort of like, uh, I'm learning how to do this. Maybe I'll throw myself at this. And, um, and it takes a lot, you know, you look at, at Jacob, he is going to all these events, gathering up so much, uh, so many new relationships, uh, making speeches, um, you know, and, and, I, I've had conversations with him where he's talked about how much he wishes he could do more. He's such a good-hearted person. He wishes that he could do more for the party. He wishes more that he could do he could do more uh, for the campaign. He cares so much because he recognizes how important this is too. Well, he's a driven individual too. Mm-hmm. 
He's driven. And he's got an excellent beard. Yeah, I shaved mine off, and I went down to the goatee for the summer because um, uh, I thought I had a better beard than Jason Lyon and the Cajun Libertarian uh, mixed together because I, I told both of them in their podcast that, nah, I think I got a better beard than you. Um, I met Jacob in uh, Stockbridge, actually, at a local event, and it was a campaign event, and I was I just got my ribs broken in a boxing event, so I was like, oh, let's go talk to Jacob. And I've been running with the Lunatic Libertarian ever since. I really believe in the Constitution. I really believe in freedom of the individual. I believe it should be backed by skill sets, not just mouthpieces. I think that mm-hmm. if you're going to get out here and really fight for your own individual liberty and freedom, you have to have the skill sets and the mindset to do so. Ava, Jocko Wilnick, Ava, David Goggins, they're both Navy SEALs and the most excellent of the excellent of that branch. So um, when it comes to uh, the Mises Caucus, I really don't have a personal problem with them. Whatever gets the, the, the goal accomplished, I'm all about it. I want to thank Kelsey Lyons Designs for designing this great logo, the Lunatic Libertarian. I howl at the moon every time it's full because remember, when the moon is full, everything is illuminated around you, and then you're not fooled anymore, and that's what makes you fucking crazy. Joseph Eklund, Wisconsin Mises Caucus. I'm the Lunatic Libertarian. We got to do it again after Reno. uh, Good luck on that Regional 6 run for you. And then we yeah, will get back the, at it. We're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. We're going to make this a uh, more effective party. We're going to make it more empowering for the activists and the libertarians who come up, uh, are new or are coming out from the cold after a long time, not feeling really distant from the party. We're going to give them the tools to make the m- world more libertarian. We're going to get liberty in our lifetime for real. And with that, we are out. Peace, everybody. Thank you.